Welcome to Good News, being brought to you by Listening for Clues. We are Lauren Welch and John Shematek, deacons in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. We sure are, and today we have a special guest, Brother Christian Ventura. Brother Christian is a simple professed Dominican friar in the Priory of St. Simeon and John, an apostolant for the vocational diaconate in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. Previously, he has served as an advanced EMT, that's emergency medical technician, and public health scientist. He is passionate about engaging the diaconal heart of Gen Z, inclusive Anglo-Catholicism, healing ministry, and monastic hospitality. Welcome, Christian. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We are delighted to have you with us today, Christian, especially as a postulant in the deconformation program. I've waited for years to have someone your age come and be with us, so I am ecstatically happy. But first, tell us about your being a Dominican friar. That's a great question. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that monasticism still exists in the 21st century, aside from Roman Catholic nuns or Buddhist monks. And so I always appreciate it when people inquire about what does it mean to be a friar today? And so there's this new monastic movement where in just in the past century or so, we've been reinvigorating how we can live out monastic rules of life. And so as a Dominican, I live the rule of life of St. Augustine, which was the rule that was given to St. Dominic. And being a friar looks like different things for different people. As a dispersed friar, myself, my brothers and sisters all live it on our own. Most of us have secular roles, but yet we have a consecrated life. And so it's very different than either being a member of the lady or being a clergy person. It's one has been set apart to consecrate their life to, to prayer and contemplation. And particularly in the Dominican charism, it's to preaching, to preaching and to dedicated to pursuing the truth and, and preaching the gospels throughout all ends of the earth. Well, that's great. And that certainly is a wonderful link to being called to be a deacon in the church as well. Preaching is an element of that. Certainly the social justice aspect is there. And you also, you also were at one point an EMT. And what was that like? <laughs> yeah. So I worked just a little over four and a half years as an advanced EMT. I worked in Boston and then in rural Vermont for a little bit when my husband was a student at Vermont Law School. So we were in this really rural area and I was able to take care of some pretty decently sick people injured by agricultural vehicles and things like that. It was a really good experience for me. I really enjoyed emergency medical services. I enjoyed taking care of patients and being with people when they were in really tough times. And I think that that was a little bit of a foreshadow to, to what I would later explore was my religious vocation and my vocation to the diaconate. It certainly inspired how I, I think about our relationships. Um, yeah, so I definitely learned a lot, especially working in the context of the COVID pandemic. There was 
lot I had to learn there and, and taking care of people for goodness. We were so rural that I would sometimes need to be taking care of a patient for an hour to get to the nearest hospital. Uh, wearing a bunch of this PPE <laughs> on me. Yeah. I, I like to think that that was uh, foreshadowed to being accustomed to wearing a lot of things because wearing a habit in the summer <laughs> is, is something that uh, you have to be accustomed to. Yeah, especially a uh, summer in Baltimore. I'm rather interested in the habit too. I guess it has a, primarily a symbolic purpose. Is that right? Yeah. So the habit that I'm wearing right now is the simple Dominican habit. And it's essentially a tunic underneath. And then I have my scapular here, which has been, has been consecrated by a bishop. And then I have my capuche or a cowl, medieval cowl, sometimes they're called. I'm also wearing a cincture, which is just a leather belt and my 50 decade rosary. <laughs> wow. That and there's a big significance to that. So, so partly because the habit was given to St. Dominic in a dream, we believe by the Blessed Virgin Mary herself, as well as the rosary and something that you see as Dominican friars wear, even those that are Episcopalian, because not a lot of them pray the rosary or it's part of their piety. But specifically for Dominicans, it's a big part of the devotion because we believe that it was first introduced to St. Dominic by the Blessed Virgin Mary herself, specifically as a tool to use for world peace. And so one of St. Dominic's favorite quotes was, instead of taking up a sword, take up prayer. And we remind ourselves by, by having our rosary on our left side, where usually one would carry a sword, would be to, we should use prayer instead of violence. And that's a big part of the inspiration for the habit. When any of the, the friars or sisters are out and we're representing the order, you might see us wear black. And so we wear a black uh, magna kappa on top in addition to a black caputh. And that reminds us that our life is consecrated, that we have to conduct ourselves in a way that is appropriate to the order. That's how in England, the Dominican friars were coined black friars. And if you go to London today, you will notice that there is a, a Blackfriars pub, <laughs> which is where an old priory was. So I'm, I'm curious, Christian, where, where do you see your, your vocation as a deacon? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I was pulled to the diaconate for, for a lot of reasons, but I think primarily because I was told by one of my former mentors, Deacon Natalie Conway, she says that I can quote her on this. And she had said to me something that I'll never forget. She said, the Episcopal Church is now more diaconal than it ever has been. And I just continued to contemplate and think about that to this day, just, just how important about what that means. And also this generation is, Generation Z in particular, a lot of young folks value uh, social justice, value reparations, value truth and reconciliation. And I like to think that at the core of the spirituality of Generation Z is a deacon's beating heart. And so I just think that right now is, is a great time for people to discern calls to the diaconate, especially with, with where the church is going and, and all of the initiatives that a lot of great people are, are running. I'm not asking you to speak for an entire generation of people. You'll be speaking primarily for yourself, but I'm, I'm very 
curious, those of us who are in organized religion, uh, whether it's the Episcopal Church or some other form of uh, religious expression, Christian or otherwise, uh, have concerns about uh, how the church itself can stay alive. Our, our forms are eight, the ancient forms, which I'm sure you embrace to some great extent, no longer speak to people in our age. Our music may not speak to people in our age. I, I guess I'm just kind of tacking on to what you said about Gen Z having a diagonal heart. And that is, to me, that's not good news. That's great news. What do you think the church, if, if there is anything that the church needs to do to engage younger people? Is it something that just needs to evolve in a different way or say goodbye to us old folks and move on? I'm so glad that you asked because I, have, you know, and and speaking with a lot of folks in my generation and Episcopalians and other other Christian denominations, I learned a lot that was surprising to me. And one of the biggest surprises to me was that there are a ton of queer identifying folk that lean more towards an Anglo-Catholic orientation. And I was shocked about this, but we've begun to learn is that a lot of queer folks that are, that are attracted to Anglo-Catholicism and high church worship is that these were sacraments that they would have never imagined they would be able to be in a safe space and have. And so when I got married to my husband just two months ago, June, July, August, two, just two months ago. We had a very Catholic-looking wedding, and mostly because him and I would have never imagined that we would say the Nicene Creed at our wedding and have the Eucharistic prayer happen in such a way with the beautiful language. And so I definitely think that there are a ton of young folks who admire and appreciate the traditional aspect of the Episcopal Church. And I think that there is some worth in retaining that component, that liturgy, because it does speak to a lot of people. And I think in some cases can actually be a, a pretty strong point of attraction. At Grace and St. Peter's, we're an Anglo-Catholic parish in the diocese, and we have a lot of young folks who are of traditionally marginalized identities, and they feel a space here in a very Cremarian language type right one east facing mass and it's beautiful it's not it certainly is is not always expected but it's beautiful in terms of what our church what the church is called to do i personally think that the church has a responsibility to support people in discerning vocations for their baptismal ministry whether that looks like ordained ministry or whether that is diaconal ministry as a layperson, I mean, even in the, the lady, the lady are called to to do diaconal ministries. All of us are. I think that that what that might look like is to empower Gen Z in what it is they already do. And so, see that Gen Z folks are very vocal about what they care about, and all are preaching not necessarily from their pulpit, but they're preaching from Twitter now X. <laughs> a ton of opportunities where people are being very vocal about what they care about and are dedicated to truth. And I think that if the church can help in some ways speak that language and engage people in 
and areas that Gen Z has already almost mastered in the sense these these online tools and this digital evangelism. I think that that there's a lot of fruit that's there. In the recent It's All About Love Festival, I attended this wonderful workshop with Reverend Riley, which was TikTok evangelism. And he had shared that she has been able to connect people to churches that are safe spaces for people, not just in the Episcopal church, but locally through other denominations too. This is a way that the church can give back, not just for our Episcopalian tradition, but also for the entirety of the body of Christ. So I have a lot of optimism. I have a, I have a lot of hope. That's great. And hope is supposed to be one of the big things that the church offers to people. You, know, it, you also made me think that if the church is truly following Jesus in the way of love, and Gen Z folks are following the way of love, whether they're seeing it as the way that Jesus pointed or not, we're at least on a parallel path and we are together in that way. So that's, that's a reassuring and hopeful message to me, Christian. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I think when what presiding Bishop Curry says that it's not about love, it's not about Jesus. I know you mentioned the sense of, of an organized religion. And I think that that's, those are key words that I hear a lot of younger folks use is that I want to experience God, but I don't like the idea of organized religion. And a, a lot of, and that's a good point because that makes sense. A lot of people have been hurt by organized religion mm. in many ways. What I think that some young folks might need to hear is what what beloved community looks like and that yes we all absolutely can explore our own experiences of the divine but having communal worship together is so special and spectacular and to love our neighbors together with our neighbors is is just is a beautiful thing and and for us to continue to create spaces as a church for people to experience beloved community, I think is, is another area that we certainly should continue to support. Thank you for that, Christian. What you're bringing up for me is that there's so many different ways of experiencing community and all of the social media platforms that some of us older folks do not engage in, but they are there. And, and what Gen Zers and anyone else who is involved in that kind of activity are prophets of our time because they can go anywhere and share the message, share evangelism, share what love is, what the ministry that the church is truly called to. Have you have found any difficulties? Have you had any obstacles in your way? Oh, certainly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what I will say is that I think that I have been very blessed to experience the discernment and formation experiences that I've had in my calls. My Dominican formation was very supportive. My brothers and sisters were very supportive. And my introduction to the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland and my community discernment and then my admission to postulancy was all very supportive. Especially, I definitely have to point out that that Bishop Eloff, who who is now retired, was a very big part of my discernment. And I remember my my husband and I once gifted him an icon of of a Pentecost because of his vocation to supporting people in different ways and how they're called to 
the spirit and into to manifest the workings of the Holy Spirit. So I would say that I'm I'm I was very lucky and very blessed to have such a warm welcoming and such a warm support here in this diocese and also at my priory. But I also know that it, not everyone experiences that. I know that the church as an institution, by the nature of being run by humans, is open to the flaws of humanity. And so young folks, especially young folks that are gay or young folks that are of color, can experience things like, you know, systemic racism, implicit bias, uh, or not be taken seriously because of their youthfulness. Um, and I think hmm. that what I would have wanted to hear that, well, the youthfulness is part of your vocation. The youthfulness is the modality for which you can minister through. And, and that was a, a, a game changer for me, I would say. So uh, Christian, if people want to find out more about some of the things you've done or about, dare say, monasticism or the Dominican order or, or what have you, or can you point us, our viewers and listeners, in any direction? And I'll be sure to include any links in our show notes. But are there are there places you would you would point us to learn more? Yeah. So I would certainly say that I I always love talking to people about inclusive orthodoxy or monasticism. And so I'm I'm always open to sharing my email or, or people are, are welcome to reach out to me over Facebook and I'm more than happy to have conversations one-on-one with people to help them or at least point them in the right direction for whom they should chat with. In in terms of monasticism in general, I think that if you search online, there's a lot of great resources where people can look at charisms and see what might speak to them. But ultimately, I think if anyone is is feels a call to some sort of ordered life is to get in touch with a spiritual director and one that can help them listen to what the spirit is is calling them to and then to help match those charisms to because i think as part of specifically with Odin life is that some people might already be living the charism either by virtue of their job or who they are as a person and that's who they are and it just later on becomes just a label that's add on to who, who they already are as, as a beloved child of god but yes so i'm i'm social media i'm, I'm happy to be yeah, to reach out to you and, and chat with folks. Great. So we'll we'll put at least your Facebook link will be in the show notes and people can reach you that way and follow up if they're interested. Yeah, thanks. For, great. Christian, before we go, are there any other words of wisdom you would like to leave for the future of our church and and our communities together? Yeah. I will say all of the the great words are from Dominicans have already been said ex- and, not for, and are not for me. <laughs> so yeah. I'll leave you with words from St. Catherine of Siena. And uh, St. Catherine of Siena, my, one of my favorite saints, she says, be who God calls you to be and you will set the world on fire. You will set the world on fire too and call so many people to do so. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank, thanks, Christian, for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you both. It was lovely. And John and I now want to thank all of our viewers and listeners that are with us today. We cannot do this without you. So please take a moment to comment, like, or share on all your social media platforms. This will help us to spread the good news even to more people. And again, until next time, 
Thank you for the gift of your time with us today. Until next time, peace and blessings. Good news is being brought to you by Listening for Clues. You can find us on our website, listeningforclues.com, our YouTube channel, our Vimeo channel, and just about every podcast platform that there is. Hope to see you soon.